Hi everyone, and welcome to The Fireside, a podcast where we take you on a journey in search of financial independence. So grab your beverage of choice and sit with us by The Fireside. I'm Miguel, your host for today, and I'm joined by none other than crypto guru extraordinaire, José. Fahad won't be able to join us today, but he'll be with us next week. We've got an interesting uh, podcast for you today. José is going to take us over the news of the week uh, that have been causing uh, some stir around the community uh, with a focus on the cryptocurrency markets. And then we're going to take you on a journey through our goals and plans for the short term and our vision for the medium term as we go on our road, on our own road towards financial independence. Uh, This will generate an interesting discussion, I hope, around one of the concepts that is often talked about in the FIRE movement, which is the FU money. We'll go into that in just a few moments. And then towards the end of the episode, we're going to recap uh, the trade of the week. And then we'll conclude by recapping one of the more interesting tickers of the week. All right, Jose, how are you doing today? Hello, everyone. I am doing very well. It has been an interesting week. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that happened. And uh, I'm going to go through a couple of things uh, that I felt were some of the most uh, notorious, um, especially in terms of news, mostly. So this is something we will hopefully try to keep on every episode, just a brief touch on some of the main things that could or could not or might not affect your trades going forward. Uh, First thing, obviously, uh, I am personally quite invested into crypto, so this is something that I'm quite closely uh, monitoring. And the first thing is, as you probably will notice, if you open any uh, trading graph from Bitcoin, you will realize that there has been a massive dip that has happened over this week. Um, There's still huge amounts of pressure on crypto as a whole, uh, coming from the various DeFi issues that we've been getting. Uh, Then obviously the other thing that we are still seeing is uh, high inflation and most likely quite a lot of over leveraging that has been happening over the last couple of weeks. Uh, So as Bitcoin goes up, uh, also greed goes up and a lot of the greed is seen as a measure of uh, uh, margin trading which obviously creates leveraging and when the price comes down then you see much stronger moves and that's i think what we saw and also we have the looming ethereum 2 merge which is something that should be happening within the next couple of weeks. And there's quite a lot of money, uh, mostly just creating volatility, really, because people don't know what to expect. Um, For those that don't know, the Ethereum merge, also known as Ethereum 2.0, is essentially the merge of uh, a parallel stream of development on the Ethereum code base uh, called the Beacon chain that will be merged into the mainnet. The most notorious change is something called a shift from proof of work into 
proof of stake. So it's a completely different approach. I'm not going to go into the details on this uh, in this episode, uh, but do please take a look because it is quite a meaningful meaningful change to Ethereum. Uh, just kind of briefly touching on two other things, not so much crypto related, but that will also affect crypto. Uh, obviously, we are still seeing China looming housing crisis um, that is obviously creating quite a lot of um, uncertainty around the world. We've obviously started seeing this in the last um, nine months with Evergrande um, and it's still very present. And obviously, uh, the other thing is with the US, we are seeing now in July the sixth straight drop in house sales, which is, again, very meaningful. And lastly, just a quick point on the Fed, considering a 75 percentage point hike in September, but we might be getting some good news. Uh, looks like inflation might be starting to uh, stabilize. And if that's the case, we might actually be seeing a 0.5 percentage point hike, which would come as a very positive move to the markets. So that's the news of the week. Uh, obviously, uh, there's many more things that have happened, but um, we felt these were some of the more meaningful. Yeah, that's that's really good. Thanks, Jose. I wanted to touch on the Bitcoin dip. I know that, or if as far as I recall, you don't actually trade a lot of Bitcoin. You, you delve more into some of the emerging coins, emerging projects. Uh, do you see a lot of correlation between those and the Bitcoin and Bitcoin? Yes, 100%. Uh, so there's this thing called the Bitcoin dominance. Uh, it's a graph you can actually follow. A lot of people use that as uh, knowing when you have the altcoin season, which is probably something uh, a lot of you have heard before. Um, plot twist, we are not in altcoin season. We're not in any good season at this stage. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, I personally... Uh, steer away, uh, not, not for any particular reason, just because I personally are more uh, motivated to invest into projects that have uh, different types of technologies. Uh, so things like uh, Avalanche, Solana, Cardano, uh, and so many, many more. Matic uh, has been something that um, has seen huge shifts in the last couple of weeks. So I'm more looking at the altcoins, uh, not so much the, um, the low cap. I'm looking more at the high cap uh, altcoins. So like I would say the top 25 altcoins. Um, and yes, there is a very strong direct correlation. And there's actually a factor correlation. Uh, what I mean with this is, let's say that Bitcoin moves 5% down, you can actually expect the altcoins to move uh, a, a higher ratio. So they never move in the same ratio. Uh, so for example, a 5% on Bitcoin down, that's probably a 15 to 20% move down on the altcoins. So the altcoins are substantially more volatile, um, which again, <laughs> it matches my, my risk profile quite well, uh, which I am a bit more adventurous. Let's put it this way. What a nice segue into our next topic. Thanks, Jose, for also clarifying my question. Um, Pleasure. So the, the main the main discussion that we want to have today is around goals. So you uh, listeners of the previous episode may recall that one of the purposes of our podcast is to help us keep ourselves accountable for our own uh, endeavors that we want to take on towards financial independence. 
Uh, and so we're going to start this off by actually reflecting on some goals that we can set and that we can share with the community here and that we can hold ourselves accountable to in a certain period of time. Now, what I've proposed to my, my fellow podcast colleagues uh, is that we set a goal, each of us will think of, uh, has thought of a goal that we can commit to by the end of the year. And we are also thinking towards the next year, uh, we're going to, by around December, we're going to share with the community our, a longer term plan, maybe covering or spanning a year or two or three. Uh, and that's going to be a sort of challenge that we are going to touch on regularly and see how we're doing and see how we can fine tune our approach. So thinking of goals, all right, this can be a, a lot of things. And because uh, even though we are uh, broadly talking about the FIRE movement, the financial independence movement, it is true that we have, all three of us, including Fahad, we have come from more of a stock or crypto trading investment side of things. And that's how we kind of arrived here. And so some of our goals may be that we want our investment portfolio to increase by a certain dollar amount or percentage amount, or we want to have trading strategies with a certain risk and reward ratio or success rate, um, or that we just want to retire by the end of the year. I don't think, I don't think any of us would have put that down, but hey, it's, it's something that we could do. We'll see what the AMC um, does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, it, could, it could be a myriad of things. Uh, it could also be on the other hand of this, on the other side of the spectrum. It could be that we uh, look at our budgets and we trim down our expenditures so that we can increase our savings rates. Uh, so th there's there's many things. And I've, I've proposed this to Jose and I've thought about it myself. And so we want to share these goals and uh, kind of tie that in to how we are at the moment. So uh, Jose, how do you feel about this? I think it's great. Uh, this was and is actually one of my number one goals with this podcast is to hopefully create, keep myself um, accountable for the the decisions that I make, uh, which generally before I I didn't have that motivation, and now I have. Um, so I think it's really interesting, and I will actually invite everyone to do the same thing, do the same exercise. Everyone does New Year resolution plans and no one actually goes through those plans. Uh, so they will have, they will work in the, the first week of January and then by the second week, everyone's already looking for Christmas. And so <laughs> no one is really focusing on those goals. But I really want to be able to be kept accountable. And so I'm, I'm leveraging on Miguel and Fahad to keep me accountable the same way that I'm sure Miguel and Fahad uh, are in their turns expecting me to keep them accountable, right? So it's not so much to, you know, point a finger or anything, but it's more uh, the idea of um, ensuring that, you know, we look at what we did wrong, if we did something wrong, and how we fix those things. Um, so for me personally, I uh, don't know if you want me to, should I go into my goals, uh, Miguel? Sure, go ahead. Awesome. Okay. So 
my first goal, and this is something uh, Miguel, uh, myself and Miguel, we, we actually live quite close to each other and uh, we meet up on a regular basis. And the other day we were talking about uh, my risk profile, my, my investment profile and Miguel's investment profile. And when we started to talk about it, we, we just realized that they are complete opposites. And I think it's quite beautiful on that because we find success in the opposites. But maybe that uh, ideal point is actually something in the middle, somewhere in the middle where those two extremes um, meet. And so because of this, one of the things that I haven't done enough is actually keep cash on the side. And this is not cash to invest. This is just literally cash in a bank account that is some, somewhat uh, relatable to my overall portfolio, right? Uh, so a lot of people say cash when they have cash on the side that is ready to be invested. I'm more, I want to have a percentage of my portfolio that is just sitting in the bank account in case something happens, in case, because most of the, most of us will not have that much cash in the bank account, you know, that the money will be invested, it will be uh, either could be in, in a house, it could be on stock market, crypto, so on. There are so many ways that you can have your money invest, could just be in the bank, uh, on, a, on an ISA or something like that. Um, but no, I want to have, and this is something that myself and my wife we just gone through uh, a sale of our one of our houses. Uh, I say one of our houses. It's not like we have many many houses. We have one house, um, and so we one just one of uh, our houses. One, one, one of one. one. <laughs> exactly. As I said, it I was like it's not like we have many. <laughs> so our house. Uh, so we we did we did just sell our house. We had a house in uh, in London, and we have sold that house. And this is something I can touch point. Uh, maybe on a future episode, uh, just kind of sharing a bit of our experience that maybe could help someone else out there, especially someone in, in the UK. Um, but uh, one of the things we discussed was just we don't have enough money on the side if something happens. Um, and I think we just want to shift that. So my first goal is that by the end of the year, I want to ensure that I've got 10% cash related to my portfolio. So 10% of my portfolio or whatever my money, my, my net worth is, 10% of my net worth is just cash that is in a bank that I can just use at any point. Because uh, right. one, yeah. yeah, one of the big issues we've, we've been having is that obviously, you know, we, we have this money in crypto or stocks and, you know, you always have this thing, you know, at any point I can sell them. But what happens if you have what we've had, which is a massive fringe event that just kind of, eroded the whole market right and your portfolios became negative are you going to really realize those losses um probably not or only if you really have to and i don't want to right so that's one of the problems we have and i want to make sure that gets fixed um so that's my goal number one miguel i'll let you get the first goal as well and i'll do my second goal all right yeah well uh, i actually only prepared one short-term goal but i i want to touch on what you said because uh, I think that's that's very good. Um, so first, let me let me touch on the fact that our risk profiles are are very different, as you said. Uh, so as as just said, he he's kind of the uh, riskier. Well, he's not kind of. He's absolutely the riskier of us two. <laughs> um, I I have never you know ventured into smaller crypto projects um, or meme stocks. Um, but I know those can work. They just don't fit my risk profile and especially my risk profile as a the 
investor, the fund manager of my family. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I also answered to, to my wife on this. And so the one that's really kind of the one that is the boss, right? <laughs> the real boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, she so the thing is, in our family, the way it works, because my wife isn't particularly interested in figuring out what stocks to invest in and etc. She does have ultimate veto power. Uh, and so, for example, that's how I actually cashed in on crypto a few years ago. It's because uh, Bitcoin was going up and my wife absolutely demanded that I sell. And, and it was a decent selling point, so I can't complain. <laughs> exactly. We, we, we digress here. So the, the, the issue on my end of things is that I am the virtual opposite of this. And as I've shared with, with Fahad and, and Jose before, I haven't taken a trade since last year. Uh, since last year, I took a very good trade actually on Amazon. I sold a couple of dollars from the peak. Uh, and uh, since then, I, I did have an inkling that the, 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 was, the market was showing signs of weakness. And then I immediately just sold all my other positions and stayed in cash for the rest of or for the rest of the year and the beginning of this year eight months in um i only hold a marginal uh, amount of bitcoin at this point uh, and that's it really and so my goal is to combat my issue which is the exact opposite so i need to increase my exposure uh, at the moment so what i am committing to is that by the end of the year i want to have two automated trading strategies uh, live with my brokerage account. And I want each of them to at least have access to 15% of my full-size account on that broker. Uh, so this is just that I will take trades if my strategy is good. And if the parameters I've met are met, I'm going to take the trades without even knowing, that, knowing it. So this is what I want to happen by the end of the year. I do have some things in motion for this, uh, but my issue is uh, I do have strategies that I've been studying and preparing, but I hesitate to pull the trigger. And so my hope of this is that by committing on this in four months time, I'll have at least a couple of strategies that will I will feel comfortable enough pulling the trigger on. That's very interesting because um, we we have discussed before this idea of having automated strategies. And I love that idea because it removes one of the most dangerous uh, components in trading, which is emotion, right? Um, no one can say they don't trade with emotion because there's always a component of it unless you completely remove that by replacing it with, you know, a robot. Uh, so these are going to be... Uh, robots that will follow a particular logic. So this is something that Miguel would bake into it. Um, you know, could be things as simple as, you know, if there's some trend and that trend goes above or below, you know, commit with a trade and then, you know, just that's where kind of your your risks uh, risk profile kind of comes in. Because you want to make sure that when you go into a trade, your your upside is X and your potential loss is Y. And when you get there, you you sell or and, and so on. The problem is that when emotion comes in, 
And this has happened to me uh, quite a lot. And I, I had this experience actually last year when there was the first crash. And I was, I don't think I've mentioned this before uh, in the show last week, but I was actually quite, <laughs> I was pretty much all in, in margin. So I was using Binance. I was on margin. So I had, uh, it wasn't a lot of money. Uh, it was probably a couple of thousand dollars that I had there. Uh, but then obviously every month I, you know, I would get my salary and I would take part of it just kind of like most people will do, just take part of my salary and put it there. So, which basically means that, you know, if you're doing a a three X, because I think that's was the, so Binance has this thing of cross margin, cross margin basically means that you have a unified margin account and means that let's say that you put in a thousand dollars, uh, Binance will let you trade with $3,000, so they will 3x mm-hmm. your amount yeah. of money. Uh, but because it's cross, it means that you can actually invest in how many altcoins or, or Bitcoin or whatever you want to do, right? They have something else called isolated margin, which basically is a 10x or up to 10x, which means that you need to choose one asset and, and just do that asset and that's it. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually was quite heavily invested in margin. And um, when things started to go down, I I went from full, like, you know, if it's if you're generally trading 90% rational and 10% emotion, I, I completely inverted that. That was 90% emotion, 10% rational because, you know, it was like, oh my God, I should sell now. But, you know, if I sell, I'm going to sell at the loss and, and, da, 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 and oh, but my, my, my ratio, because uh, Binance will show you a ratio of like how far or how close you are from being margin called and then liquidated. And um, because there were so much margin in the market, any dip on, on, on the, on the price, would be literally like a couple of thousand, like at the time Bitcoin was like around 50 something. Um, and, you know, right. every drop would be like a, a $5,000 drop, something like that. And you have like a super scary week. Um, and so what I should have had at that time is somewhat of a strategy like Miguel has, which is, you know, ensure that, and this was my first learning of like, you know, you should always have a stop loss. You should always have uh, multiple levels of of taking profits and so on. Um, and this is, again, this is something we'll, in next sessions, we will go through and revisit um, to discuss our techniques, our strategies, how to make sure that we kind of keep our risks a bit more controlled. But um, but I absolutely love just kind of tying it up. I, belo- I love this idea of having automated strategies because you just completely remove the emotional side of it, right? You program the robot and the robot will do what the robot will do. It's, it's, it's as easy as that. Um, at the same time, obviously, you know, it, it will require quite a lot of fine tuning. And that's something I'm very excited for Miguel to, to take us on a journey as well. Uh, with uh, his uh, experiments, but could could you touch a bit more, Miguel, on on you know what is actually a, an automated strategy, for example? Um, you know, how do you set one of those up, and uh, you know, if someone would like to do something like that, what tools could they use potentially? Yeah, uh, of course, and I think honestly, this might be something that we want to dedicate a whole episode to introducing, and then mm-hmm. you know we can discuss it more and more in, in the future. Yeah. Uh, but for those just starting out, and if you have, if you're curious, I would recommend you check out um, the uh, a website for a framework called Quant Connect. Uh, that's Quant as in Q 
Q-U-A-N-T, and then Connect. So Quant Connect, they're on a mission to democratize the access to systematic trading for the retail investor. They provide the whole framework where you can do research via Python notebooks. And I think they also allow C-sharp, but I work with Python. Um, so you can use notebooks to play around with the data and wrangle it and try to find your edge. And then you also have a separate part of their framework, which is for backtesting. So then you bake in your strategy in actual code with uh, rules for which stocks or, or crypto assets or whatever other assets you're interested in to select. And then once you find your entry conditions, you also define when and how you enter and in what conditions you exit. And so you can, when you bake that into your, to your scripts, you then can let the framework backtest your strategy across uh, a very long timeline. Um, I only have used the most recent years because I'm, you know, fine tuning uh, some of the things that I'm seeing. I haven't gone and backtest so much further back. Um, but then it, it gives you a report with how your strategy did, what was your max drawdown, which is something important. It gives you a sharp ratio. It gives you a bunch of really, really interesting metrics. It gives you a, a log of all of your trades. Um, and so you can see also with, with it gives you your PNL chart. Uh, so you can see how your strategy fares. Um, and to Jose's point, for example, some strategies are very good, but they have a max drawdown. A max drawdown is what was the maximum drop in your equity percentage-wise uh, at any point during the backtest. So if, you're, if your strategy has a max drawdown of 30%, that means that at some point, maybe you would have reached $1,000, for example, in equity, and then it dropped to $700. So within that interval, that was the maximum drop that you got. And so if you have a really good strategy, but it has a max drawdown of 30%, then you cannot use leverage on it because if you, if you leverage it, even if it's just 2x, then your dropdown of 30% is already going to pretty much liquidate nearly your account and you will take a long time to recover. And so Quant Connect is an amazing tool that allows you to, well, for free, you do get you know, it is a bit slower to work with because they impose some delays and some on your back tests and some limitations on the quality of the nodes that you can use to, to run the code. So it's a bit slower, but I think it's a great starting point. And then there's tons, tons, tons of tools, especially uh, third-party packages that tie into Python uh, that you can use to plot data, wrangle data, use artificial intelligence you can you know make your neural networks or use other machine learning tools it's really a huge huge world and it just depends on you know how much time and uh how how good your idea is to start with um but i think that that's a good enough introduction on the topic but do let do let us know if that's something that you want to hear more about i do try and take a simpler approach to quant trading um, or to systematic trading. I have a few patterns that I want to start with and I want to see if there's a way that I can make those patterns that I know people trade discreetly 
meaning that they trade by themselves without a bot. And I, I want to see if I can find a set of restrictions that I can apply to those patterns so that they can be traded automatically without me having to be there and without me having to introduce my own, you know, opinions on each and every trade, because I think that's going to be a hindrance for me. Uh, because I think that the odds are that I would probably end up exiting too early on good trades yeah. and sticking too long on bad trades. Yeah. So that's why I want to remove myself from the equation. Yeah. Yeah. And you, so, yeah. best of all, you can trade while you're sleeping, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, my strategies are actually focused on the stock market, so not so much. Not but so much. Yeah, that's that's the principle of the thing. Can you can so you actually goal, do crypto goal, as well yeah. on uh, Quantum you Connect? You can. Okay. You can on Quantum Connect. You can do crypto. Uh, I'm sure you cannot do every crypto asset, but sure. uh, I know the main ones: Bitcoin and Ethereum, and you know the the main largest cryptocurrencies. For sure, you can. Very, very interesting. That's awesome. Like I, if, and if anyone is very interested in knowing more about Quantum Connect and automated uh, strategies, you know, if you are a coder yourself, because obviously there is, um, you know, there's a big requirement. It's not so much like a drag and drop tool. You know, you need to know uh, Python in this case. Uh, but, you know, if anyone out there uh, that is listening and they would like to know more, please do let us know. Uh, we're more than happy to maybe in a future episode have a longer slot of time and, and you know, go through a couple more details um, on how this could work. Uh, maybe even share with you some examples of a very simple strategy and how that all kind of kind of comes together. Uh, but I think we will leave that for another episode. Um, I, I, I will just say uh, that it sounds easier than it is, I think. Uh, and just like poker, I would say that trading and systems trading in particular is the hardest way to make easy money. So do, do temper some expectations. It does involve a lot of work. But yeah. if that's the thing, something you, you think you would actually enjoy doing it, then yeah, then the world's your oyster. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Um, cool. So then... I'll just segue into my uh, other goal and we can then just kind of wrap up the goal section. Yeah. Um, but for real, um, I kind of want to bring my portfolio back to positive. Uh, my portfolio has... Uh, so after uh, just kind of explain how, how my last kind of 12 months have been. So I have been invested for a long time in a particular uh, stock, which we will touch in just a bit. Um, and uh, apart from that, I've been mostly crypto. And due to that big crash last year around July, June, July, I don't remember correctly, um, I decided to take a, a break uh, from from crypto as a whole uh, just because I was kind of bruised, kind of licking my wounds, um, and I decided to uh, learn, educate myself. I, I felt that the reason why... I failed was because I wasn't um, knowledgeable enough, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, right? Yeah, I think uh, I heard this from another trader 
she's on on YouTube. I think her name is Humble Trader. Uh, you probably have heard her before. Um, yeah. And she she did see, say something that kind of really resonated with me. And in those situations, when when something really kind of drastically go wrong, you almost feel kind of alone, right? You both alone and and embarrassed, right? So there's a there's mm-hmm. a component of yeah. both. And and really, that's why I was feeling. I'm feeling like, oh my god, like I consider myself, uh, you know. Uh, a smart guy that is um you know i'm i'm very open to a lot of uh, uh technologies and 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 you know sources of information i read a lot um and i felt like how how could this happen to me right and i felt really embarrassed and what she said was that every trader in their lifetime always needs to go through a wipeout event like an event that will almost will you know obliterate your portfolio you know and i think those are necessary to make you understand the stakes right because until you lose and this is not unrealized losses this is like money is gone right they, they, your account is it's it's mm-hmm. been <laughs> a zero has been yeah. sliced from your account and 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 these things are necessary because you do need to feel in your skin, you need to feel that pain. Um, and this is something that I would say to everyone. Uh, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people have gone through, especially in the last six months uh, to 12, 12 months, a lot of people have gone through wipeout events, uh, either because uh, I can just imagine people that were heavily invested into Terra, for example, and you know they went to sleep and they woke up and their accounts were zero. As simple as that. And and what I would say is, um, get up, uh, you know, take a breather. It it happened, like just you know, get 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 to the reality of it. It has happened. Um, don't give up, right? Because uh, you know, obviously it's horrible, uh, but don't give up, and learn, understand why you failed. It was it because it was emotional then you need to learn how to deal with the emotional side. Uh, was it because you just kind of yolo Then maybe you shouldn't YOLO next time. Um, but there's just so many things that you can take in retrospective. And I, for me, this is one of those where, you know, my, my portfolio has taken, uh, is, 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 is not positive at the moment. Um, and I'm happy to share that. And really by the end of the year, I want to bring my portfolio back to positive, um, you know, either through just normal trading, uh, doing some some hedge trading. Uh, so there's a couple of different techniques that we'll go through in in the podcast of how I plan to get there, and um, and I hope to get I hope to get there. So I'll, uh, I'll keep you guys updated on my my journey to bringing me back to positive and have 10% cash on the side, uh, 10% of my portfolio. Yeah, I think that's that's. A good mindset to have, uh, the one that you described, where you, you you don't consider that, you know, that your your losses aren't losses until until they're closed. I think that's that's a dangerous mindset, uh, because at any given point, your portfolio is just the amount of money that you have there. So if if it goes down two thousand, then you have a new portfolio value. Um, because then, if you think otherwise, then you you're going to be prone to some revenge trading. I think it's good to have in mind, like, oh, my portfolio used to be here, now it's here. Okay, how can I 
go from where it's at now and increase X percent so that I can get it back. Not, okay, uh, my portfolio is actually the old value and I just need to gain it back. That money belongs to me. <laughs> that, that will lead to some, yep. to some shortfalls for sure. Oh yeah, 100%, 100%. I think that's part of the, the educate yourself. Uh, you know, it's very important for you to understand, you know, how you can do that. And obviously, again, it's a lot of emotion, the, you know, revenge trading. And this is something very real because you you feel robbed, right? You feel like, oh, someone, uh, I want that money back. It was my money. Like, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, you did. <laughs> you really did. So I think that's, uh, that's a very good point there. You know, unrealized losses are not... They're still losses. That's why they have lost there, you know, unrealized loss. Just means that it it has still hasn't happened yet. Uh, and it's it's in flux. Um, but and this is why it's so important to have things like stop losses and have an, an actual proper uh risk reward ratio strategy. Uh this is something I would love to touch in a future episode, like how to set up uh uh how to set up that ratio? What does that ratio look like? What, what is a good ratio? And these are all kind of very kind of open questions. The only thing I can do is share my experience and what I generally do. Um, but um, I think that's going to be interesting to go through those experiences as well. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. I've had those sort of events as well. Uh, I was fortunate to get into crypto and then have it take off, uh, you know, pretty soon after that it was taking off and then i jumped aboard and it kept taking off i guess but then when i when i saw that i thought it was really smart to put you know a significant portion of my savings into that and bank on it further and that's when you know the the floor was the rug was pulled and i did lose some money and i well a significant amount of money and luckily i was able to finish green but that second trade it was a loss and I did keep it, you know, in my subconscious, like it's not a loss because it's still open and it was open for like two years. Yeah. Uh, but in reality, it was a loss. And you know what? If I had closed that loss as soon as I realized it was doomed, I could have reinvested in something else and recouped that money much, much faster That's than exactly I did. exactly it. That, that, that is actually a very good strategy of, because... Uh, you kind of, again, emotion, like we keep coming back to emotion, right? Because you're, were you thinking when you see that coming down, right? You know, those red bars, unless you're shorting, if you're shorting, you want to see red bars, but like, if you're just longing and, and you start to see the price coming down, uh, you're, you don't want to sell, right? Because you feel like, oh, if, if I sell, that's it, it's over. Really, it's not and over. You have to, like, and you have to admit, you have to admit that you lost, that you were wrong. Yep. I think that's yep. more yep. sometimes it's more that than the money itself, right? Oh yeah. Especially yeah. if you're trading small and you're still clingy, then it's just a fear of admitting defeat. Yeah. As well. It is, it is. It is hundred percent because you're it's like, I'm not gonna lose. Like you're gonna lose, and I will prove to you that you're wrong and I'll keep my you know, my trade open and so on. But like really what Miguel said is if and again, it's all about having a strategy, right? When you when you when you go into a trade, you really need to be like, okay, here's the reasons why I'm going to this trade, and you know, as time goes on, these things will come easier and faster. But really, is okay. I'm going to this trade. Here's where I'm comfortable to go in. Here's what I want to take money out because I'm going to be happy with uh, X percent uh, profit, and here's where I'm getting out. Because if it drops below this, I'm out. And the fact that you're out, that means that you have cash in your account 
available to go in again. And just think of it, like if you, let's say the price is 100, right? And you went in at 100 and you want to sell at 120, but actually the price drops to 95. If you go out at 95, and let's say that the price then comes down to 80, and if you come in at 80, and you basically write it back to around 95, you've actually made more money than if you'd got in and 100 and went to 120, right? Because yeah, again, you just the, saved the $15 difference. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that, that psychology is is really important to get your head around because that is this is the strategy that will make you think not as a loser, but as a winner because you're actually coming out. Actually, uh, that's that's bang on on point. You're not you're not trading to win. You're just trading to you know to follow good trades, to yep. follow good opportunities. So as soon as something yep. stops being a good opportunity, it, your ego doesn't play play a part in it. It just yep. you're out because there's yep. no reason to be in. Yeah. All right. Let's. I think there's there's much there's much to dive into this, but let's let's wrap this section around. Uh, so our goals for Jose and myself, and we look forward to hearing from Fahad the next session that we have. Uh, for myself, my goal until December is to have two live automated strategies with at least 15% uh, exposure of my portfolio in each of them. And for Jose, his goal is to have 10% of his total portfolio to be in cash savings and to bring his portfolio back to positive by the end of the year. Superb goals. Thanks, Jose, for the discussion. I think this Ooh. is very good. Amazing. And to segue this into our mid to long-term goals that we have in the back of our minds and that we want to start pursuing, uh, I think, more actively as a, a New Year resolution, uh, we want to talk about a project that we want to introduce called The Road to One Million. All right. The Road to One Million. Uh, one million is one million dollars. Uh, we want to take our financial journey to be able to uh, afford us more independence in our lives. And we came up with this one million dollar figure because it's a nice round number. And we're going to touch on this a bit later. One million dollars for most or for some people is actually well, largely more than you would ever need to to live comfortably um, off of you know the dividends of that. So we're going to talk a bit more about this, but we are planning for the new year to share with you guys our thoughts, our strategies that we want to diversify into and implement so that by some time frame, TBD, we will reach this mark. We'll reach this mark, but this will be our midterm to long-term goal. Uh, and so this this goal ties into the concept that has been uh, floating around in the fire community of fu money. So this is a PG thirteen, I guess, uh, <laughs> podcast. Fu money is basically the money that you need to tell your boss or really anyone that is just pestering you to go screw themselves, right? Exactly. You just, you just, it's the kind of money that will afford you the privilege of experiencing what you want to experience without fearing for your financial stability and pursuing what you want to pursue. 
Jose, what are your thoughts on this? Had you heard of FU Money before, before you know, we started preparing this session? Yes, 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 I have. Um, so this is something that is mentioned in many, many uh, other YouTubers and, and uh, influencers and so on, podcasters. Um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a really interesting concept, especially if you work for someone else. Because it's gonna, it's gonna be what allows you to kind of go and show that middle finger and go like, you know, okay, bye. Um, and that one million mark is, um, you know, it is the it, it is a number like Miguel said that will allow you to live comfortably. Um, I, for myself and my wife, uh, when we had this conversation, actually we we discussed it would be five million. It would be our our kind of fu money. Um, but really, uh, you cannot get to five to a five million before getting to one million. Uh, so uh, I think, as a, as a group ourselves, Miguel, myself, and Fahad, we just felt like, all right, you know, why don't we set this goal of having one million? And it's not a race. It's not um, nothing like that. It's not a competition. It's literally because we're gonna do it via different ways and you know mm -hmm. we all have different portfolios which we are starting with and, and and investments and so on but really is an exchange of of uh, experience and it's just to give you an example uh there's someone that i would like to invite into this show um and by the way this uh something that we've been discussing uh, recently which is uh, we would like to start bringing some guests into the show uh mostly because uh, they will bring a breadth of experience on their own, and um, I think really that's what well, all of you are here to hear is is the experiences, and just the three of us on ourselves. You know, I think that obviously that will get uh, there's a limit to the amount of experience we can share, um, but like just bringing that external uh, insight. And I've got a friend of mine that uh, just recently purchased the house um, via a way that I didn't even know it was available. So he has some 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 a certain portfolio of, of stocks and his broker in particular allows him to uh essentially get a, a margin on that money right so let's say that for example he has ten thousand dollars the broker will say you know we allowed you to get say like a 3x right so thirty thousand mm -hmm. dollars and so what he did he he basically analyzed and he said okay the interest rates are actually pretty low because in order for you to even be accepted by those kind of type of, of, of products, you need to go through a bunch of, of like checks, right? So it's, again, for the broker, it's a bit more less risky, which means because they they hold that collateral from you. And if you get anywhere close to a, to a, a margin call or a liquidation, your money is gone. So they, they're fine. So the, the interest rates are actually quite low. And so the interesting thing was what he did. He, he essentially bought two houses using margin. And, and with that, he actually is paying much less interest rates than if he would get money from a bank. Um, and he has full control over that, right? He's not on the side of the bank. Uh, he can manage that directly with his broker. So I just found it's like a super interesting way that he's finding, again, to get to do, to that goal that he has, which I don't know what his goal is. But again, just to get it to a point that there's so many ways you can get there. And, and I think what a lot of people kind of don't understand is that, one, this is a very achievable goal, right? This is not out of 
the reach of 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 everyone, right? Obviously, it's gonna take longer to some people. It's gonna be faster to the other ones, but everyone can get there. The only thing is you need to be disciplined, right? And you need to stick to your strategy. If you set up a strategy and you stick with it, you know you you will get there. Um, so. I really like this concept. I'm very, very excited to kind of see how this progresses. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully in a year or two, we're, 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 we're very close, if not there already. <laughs> well, I like, I like your optimism, Jose. Uh, I'm not going to commit to having a million dollar net worth in a year. I'll, I can <laughs> tell you just that. But I, I will say I, I like the optimism. He's saying, you know, it's a very achievable goal. Uh, and of course, it really depends where you're starting from, what your skill sets are, and also how much you have already put into it in terms of research on how to make your money grow for you and work for you. Um, but, you know, let me talk a little bit about how, how for me, this $1 million mark actually feels right. Okay. So uh, we, Jose and, Jose and his family, myself and my family, we live in Portugal and $1 million here, uh, which funnily enough right now is nearly just about 1 million euros. Womp, womp, womp. So tough times. Anyways, <laughs> um, one, $1 million actually is a huge amount of money. Uh, most households, if they have, you know, a budget of 2000 euros a month to live on, they already can live quite comfortably. Uh, they can have a decent place to live and decent. Do you know, do you actually well. know what's the average price of a house, for example, in Portugal, like uh, comparatively um, with other countries? I, I don't have that index top of mind. I don't want to make something up, but I, I do know it varies. It varies from city to city. Right. Um, just just last year, I was buying an apartment at the same time as a friend from Lisbon. And of course, we live in Porto, which is the second largest city in Portugal. Uh, and just, you know, him compared to me, his house was about the same, but, you know, uh, maybe I think 40% more expensive just because wow. he was in Lisbon. Wow. Uh, so it's really hard to say. But for where we live, a 2,000 euro budget, um, is plenty to live a good lifestyle in no not not extravagant in any yeah. by any stretch of the imagination uh but good enough that if you have your to assure your financial independence uh because we can't forget that once you get out of the rat race you know of needing to work for money a lot of your expenses go down with it you you stop having to eat out uh, especially things that, you know, it's just have a quick bite from somewhere uh, that you don't particularly like, it's just for your half hour lunch. Uh, you, you stop having to take those as often. You have you stop spending so much on gas and uh, you stop having to spend so much on daycare for the kids, for example. So a lot of, a lot of your expenses just go down. Um, and so we came up with this $1 million figure for us because... Um, if you apply the 4% rule to it, which is basically a, a, a term within the FIRE community, 
the four percent rule is a principle that states that your net worth your, your net worth target should be such that if you take four percent from it or if you if you increase it by four percent and live off of that increase every year you can cover all of your expenses and so for if a one million dollar net worth increases four percent every year which is a on par with just putting it all on SPY. Actually, the SPY has increased over the past 30 years, it has increased an average of 6%, including, including bearish years uh, a year. And so that 4% rule it would say it determined that I could live, me and my family, out of 40,000 euros every year. And that's well above the 2,000 mark for every, every month. And so Already, already, I see that $1 million or, or euros is way above what I would need to live independently. But we want to have some cushion, right? Uh, so that's that's why this value seemed good. And also, I think just the... It, it, it kind of signifies for me, like, hooray, you wanted capitalism. You know, you've achieved, you've Hurrah. unlocked the achievement. Now go yeah. have some fun, you know? Yeah, exactly. So it, it sounds it sounds like a good achievement to have. Thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I, th I think I think it's a, it's a very good point. Um, the 4% and, and having that, I think it, it obviously varies from, 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 from person to person. But, um, you know, at least in Portugal, uh, again, like... Uh, you know, four percent of a million, forty thousand. Um, you know, four thousand is a is actually a pretty good uh, level, obviously, because you don't need to take into account. It's not really a forty thousand salary because you don't take into account, you know, taxes and so on in terms of a, of a normal salary. So that makes a lot of sense. And you know, you wouldn't be able to buy a Lamborghini or or something like that. Uh, but again, that that that's not everyone's goal. Uh, it's not my goal. Uh, don't don't know if I don't think it's Miguel's goal as well. So you know, no, there's <laughs> good, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, it 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 is to a point, and the the, the it gives you that guideline of 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 what you're basically working towards. Um, so yeah, for 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 me and my wife. Uh, we we didn't apply that the percentage. It was more like it was literally the first number that came to your mind when you th you think about uh, fu money. That's where the five million came from. Um, and uh, when we then started to speak with Miguel and and his wife, and you know, we started okay, let's actually dive deeper into this logic. And um, you know, we started to realize that there was just so much in common. Um, so yeah, I I'm very excited to see how this evolves. In the um, in the coming in the coming months, um, you know, if our perspective of this kind of road to a million, if it becomes clearer, if it becomes easier, if it becomes more difficult, and so on, I think it's going to be very very interesting. Uh, what would you say is your first step? Like, I'm I'm sure that you have kind of segmented this road into either phases or steps you know which would mm -hmm. be your first step what, what is the kind of the first thing you're looking to do to get you on route to this uh one million mark yeah you're absolutely right i when i thought about this goal i couldn't just write a number and you know plaster it on my wall and then hope to achieve it yeah um, 
And I think that reaching that high for that 1 million actually made me realize, you know, that there's no way I'm going to reach this goal just on my salary alone, right? And so this this opens your mind. You, you start thinking, okay, if I'm ever going to reach 1 million, I really need to start reaching, reaching out and, and expanding a bit, stretching. Uh, so it all starts for me with the savings rate. Um, and this is because for you to be able to live off of 4% of whatever your target uh, you know, net worth is, you need to also make sure that whatever your expenditure is can be covered by that 4%. So your target value is smaller if your expenditure is smaller, right? Uh, and at the same time, while you have a steady source of income, uh, if you have smaller expenditure, you can use a larger percentage of it to contribute to your overall goal. So my first goal is to do a little better at tracking my own expenses because the last few months with moving houses and switching jobs, we have gotten a bit less careful with tracking our expenses. And segueing from that is we want to hit religiously every month a 50% savings rate at the very least. And then from it, and in line with our earlier discussion on goals, I want to make sure that I have some money set aside for us, we decided on six months worth of expenses in the bank or in cash or whatever. And then the rest, I'm forcing myself to send it to my broker or to my crypto exchange or whatever, uh, sending it and applying it uh, because otherwise it's just going to sit in the bank and getting devalued as it happened to all of my savings that were in the bank this year. It just got devalued. So that's that's my, I guess, my first few stages is to uh, track better, save more, invest all of the rest. I think one of the things you mentioned is really important, which is uh, tracking. I think budget tracking. I think there's the vast majority of people do not track their finances. I I didn't used to. I actually found a tool that I well, there's thousands of them out there. And for me personally, one of the things that would really kind of generally deterred me from using these tools was just like how much work there was. You know, I would have to log in on my bank export the the mm. statement import statement blah, blah 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 it was just such a hassle that i almost wanted to hire someone and pay them to do this for me because it was <laughs> just like it was terrible i actually found a tool it's called budget bakers uh which is incredible because with the emergence i don't know how well it works in uh, in the us because i don't think us is still uh, uh it hasn't still um uh, embrace the open banking um, system as much as Europe has. But in Europe at the moment, um, uh, every single bank was forced to adopt open banking, which basically means is that um, banks allow or, or provide an interface that other banks or other tools can interact with uh, to you know request transactions and so on. So uh, what that allowed it to do is to have tools that are 
directly connected to your bank and basically on a daily or 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 twice a day or whatever it is that frequency they will get all those transactions so in our particular case me and my wife because we used to live in the uk we moved back to portugal we have uh, investment accounts we used to have a, a mortgage account so it's like there's there was just many accounts you know i think in total we probably have all together probably over 10 different bank accounts wow. or not just bank accounts but for example we use revolut and revolut has mm -hmm. like x amount of currencies my wife is from hong kong so we have hong kong currency that we sometimes use uh there's gbp there's us dollars because that's what used for 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 stocks and and crypto uh you know there's just like so many different currencies and each currency then becomes its own account so it's not different bank account but it's it's, it's an account, it's like a different uh, um, source of transactions. So this tool, Budget Bakers, allows you to essentially hook all of your accounts onto it. So you just say, I live in Portugal, so we'll show you like the list of banks in Portugal. You choose your bank, that sends you to your bank and you log into your bank. It's a read-only, so obviously there's no way that these systems can you know, take, take money from you. It's just a, a read thing, so they can read it. And then they show you uh, all of your transactions, and you can catalog each of your transactions. You can automate the process by saying anything that has PayPal on the name, I'm going to put it in shopping, or anything mm -hmm. that says, you know, transfer. I'm so, oh, this is a bank, this is like a money transfer, some going somewhere. And so, you once you do this, like at the moment, I generally go in once every two days and I just kind of check how everything kind of is. But allows it, it gives you an an enormous perspective of just like how bad you are because you you will realize <laughs> how bad you are at managing your own finances. Um, you know, we we had subscriptions that we didn't even know anymore because you know how many people log in on their bank and actually go through every single transaction and you know you 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 look at your your statement. You do you do all right. So Miguel <laughs> is saying he does. Okay, I, I didn't I, I didn't do it until I actually used this tool. Um, and so uh, just kind of kind of circling on what Miguel was saying, just kind of wrapping it up is the first step is is building your foundations you will not be able to get to to a million or whatever your goal is unless you have your foundations straight and that is just like miguel said you know it's first of all savings is 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 monitoring right because if you don't monitor you don't know if you're saving so you know have a good monitoring tool that allows you to see where you're spending the money where and more importantly where you can potentially save, right? You know, if you realize that you just, you know, you're shopping or your your food out, right? Your your eating out is like above X, then you just go like, all right, you know, I think I can, I need to start, you know, slowing down on going out, eating out, or whatever it is, and that will go a long way to get you on that track. Yeah, and I think this can go both ways, actually. So it can help you realize that there's things that you don't value as much as what you're spending on them. And so you can cut them easily, but also for folks who are on the other side of the spectrum and actually have difficulty spending money because they feel guilty, it, it can work to help you as well. Because if you have your goal of 50 or 60 or 70% savings rates, once you've hit that, then the rest of the money that is unaccounted for, you should reward yourself. Uh, because ultimately, all this talk of 
growing your net worth and etc is so that you can enjoy your life more and so you should reward yourself incrementally as you progress and as you get better towards that goal uh, i want to ask you about that app actually uh, yep. does it allow you to create your own categories yes it does ah, okay that's fantastic because we've been doing this sort of workflow that you've just described through our bank app but it doesn't let you create your own applications it just has some predefined ones yeah, yeah. and of course we have our own that kind of suits suit the way we manage yeah. our money so we're going to for sure give that one a try yeah and for it, our, you, it's amazing um yeah. and just to kind of touch on that uh it doesn't allow you to create top level categories it only allows you to create uh secondary second level categories so for example a top level would be shopping and inside shopping it would be um, you know, uh, TV or computers and so on. So you could create another one inside there, but you wouldn't be able to create a top level one because the top levels are kind of like what defines a very broad spectrum of things. Yeah, I think that's that's fine. That would suit me yeah. well. Uh, just wanted to add for our US-based listeners, um, in previous podcasts that I've listened to, I've heard mention of a different app called Mint. Uh, and it sounds similar. I never tried it because I think it's US only. Yeah, it doesn't uh, work. And I actually, I regretted that there was nothing that I knew of in Europe that could, you know, hit the same uh, the same spots. So yeah, I'm glad that you just shared that. Thanks, Jose. Ooh. So I maybe actually... maybe we can get them get them to give us some uh, some discount codes. <laughs> Sponsorship. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so I want to I want to ask you a question about this topic of FU money. So I think that there's a decent chance that I'll hit this milestone expecting that that's going to be some transformational mark and then realize that, you know, it was always inside you, kid, you know? <laughs> so what is, what is something that you guys, if anything, if you've discussed anything, what is something that you know, by the time that you reach your 5 million mark, that you're going to change about your life? Like, for example, do you plan to stop working altogether and just travel the world? Or, what, you know, what's what's going through your mind for that? Ah, that is a great question. Uh, it's a very philosophical one as well. Um, I don't think I will ever want to stop working. I've, I've, I enjoy what I do too much. And, you know, just for example, coding, right? I I sometimes just work until late hours at night, not with a particular, like, you know, monetary goal to it, but just because I fundamentally take a lot of, uh, you know, um, enjoyment in doing it. So um, so I think that there's, there's a huge component there of just like, I, I just do really, really love working. I, I love that that um you know satisfaction um i don't think it's nothing changes uh, it, again is it's in, in theory it's just a number right um it's a meaningful number but it's just a number i think there's a lot of things i i would love to do if i get ever get there i think one of the things that i would love to do is get involved with um you know either private equity investment i know that five million is not that much so again, I'm saying five million because that would be our number. Because I think a million is is you know, 
it's probably not enough for you to you you can get because obviously you can get involved with with a private equity investment you know from as little as five thousand dollars right and and even less uh, especially if it's friends and family but obviously it's as well you know unless you're lucky enough to get in on a on a on a on a unicorn um then you're Mm -hmm. probably not gonna make a lot of money out of there and maybe your money's better placed elsewhere um but i would love to get involved with um investment i i i do fundamentally love to be involved especially with stuff like gaming and and blockchain and stuff like that which are things that personally motivate me a lot i think that would be probably my biggest shift is that that would probably look into being more of an investor um and and less actually working for someone else not that i do now at the moment uh but i was probably something i would focus in that sense yeah uh, i agree um and i think for me uh because uh well for the benefit of our listeners uh, jose already has his own business that is his main occupation and main, I guess you could say it's your main source of income. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, for me, I, I work for a company as a software engineer. And I think that this F you money, it wouldn't be me saying F you to my company because I actually like them a lot. Yes, you would. Uh, yes, you would. You would. Yeah, definitely. Would. You'll be like, ah. <laughs> hey, they could be listening. <laughs> oh, no. no. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I actually like the company a lot, but I do think that. Uh, my my shift would be in terms of, you know, working on my own things from now on. Uh, like you, I don't see myself stopping working at all. Uh, I might slow down a little bit. So, uh, you know, some weeks I may do a lot more hours because I feel like it. And then some random week, I might, I might just take it off to spend time with family, uh, you know, with more freedom than what I can currently afford. Uh, I think that would be my... F- fundamental change that I would just focus on the projects that I want to do and just for the heck of doing them not for the you know not for the sake of trying to hit some return on the investment or etc uh, you know we we have hobbies in common and uh, they are hobbies that can lend themselves to pet projects uh, and some of these uh, Maybe if you want to do it the commercially viable way, you it's kind of not that fun. But if you don't need to hit any sort of financial targets, then you can just do whatever you like, whatever you would enjoy about it. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it will actually be the reason that it's a success. But yeah. the biggest, the biggest or commercial success, I would say. Uh, but it would have been a success either way because it's... Uh, worthwhile way of spending our time well money money or lack of money is probably one of the number one sources of stress and and you know anxiety and all this kind of stuff right and so not having that component is you know again it's 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 a huge thing it's a huge thing yeah we we have gone a little bit over time but i just want to say it I, I want to wrap this section just by going back to that 4% rule because who, the people who, who advocate for this 4% rule, usually their mindset, where they're coming from is, 
They want, uh, they want to hit a number so that they can comfortably live out the rest of their lives without having to put in one more day of work, right? right? So that's why they need to have such a high net worth that when they see returns on it yearly, they have to be enough to cover all their expenses and the risk of uh, economic downturn. But if your goal is to just continue working anyways, just with more freedom, uh, more more freedom to pursue what you want, more freedom to make your own hours, more freedom to just take a hiatus for a, a year or whatever you feel like, or to travel a bit more or to yeah. indulge a bit more in, on your hobbies, um, then you don't need to go for that 4% rule. Uh, you can go for a higher percentage. Like for, for me, I think the percentage I have in mind is 6 to 8%. And where I'm coming from is I can make this a bit higher. So for example, if I want to have 40% return on my net worth every year, then if I want 80% to give me, sorry, if I want to get 40,000 euros a year, then my net worth has to be 500,000 euros yeah. because 80% of that will give me the 40,000 euros. And so I've just sliced my target in half if I go for this approach because my objective is not to then just do nothing, uh, you know, work-wise for the rest of my life. Uh, if I'm just going to keep working and some of that work will be turned in for profit, and if it doesn't, I can just go back to the workforce because, you know, we have, I have skills that are marketable. Uh, then you can go for a higher percentage and you can remove a lot of that pressure because, you know, shooting for 500,000 euros is much more achievable than, yeah. of course, twice as much. All right, yeah. any parting thoughts on this topic, Jose? Um, no, I think we've, we've, we've gone through everything. I would love to hear if, you know, if any of our listeners has the same or, or, or a similar objective. Um, you know, if you do have a road to X money, uh, tell us how you're planning to get there. Um, you know, what's your first achievable, um, or impalpable objective and, you know, share with us because by sharing with us, maybe, you know, we could be missing something or it was like, oh, that's interesting. I'm, you know, I haven't thought about that. So again, we want to learn as much as we can from you guys. Um, and, um, yeah, do make sure to share with us. Yeah, for sure. And also, if if you have other goals that would tie into this fire, financial independence, early retirement theme, but that are not pegged to a money value, then also share those uh, with us. Uh, I think that would be totally uh, an enriching experience for everyone. And we'd be sure to we are surely curious to to hear your thoughts on this. So our our last segment for today is a recap of. One of the tickers that has, you know, if, uh, has caught our attention in the past week or so. Uh, it's one that I haven't personally traded ever, but I know it's on top of a lot of folks' minds, and this is AMC. Uh, so as I said, I haven't traded this ticker in the past, but we have fortunately our resident meme stock expert, Jose. I know you have <laughs> had some position uh, in AMC, and yeah. you still have some, I think. Uh, yeah. So be yeah. before we touch on the current events on this ticker, why don't you walk us through how your 
you know, your roller coaster has been through the sticker. Oh, tell you what, yeah, you, you'll understand my risk profile <laughs> or or some uh, <laughs> some of my loose risk profile, and uh, I think it's gonna. Uh, I'll explain as well. Uh, you know how my wife comes into it as well. Uh, completely opposed to Miguel's uh, wife, so. Um, uh actually i started looking into like a lot of people did especially the stock market so crypto has been something longer stock market was something that i really haven't been too involved with uh, uh only after the the you know the pandemic uh like many many other people started and you know they were at home and uh, you know didn't have a lot to do so i was like oh i'm gonna start looking into this um so that's how I started. Um, I had a friend of mine that uh, works at Facebook, and he uh, was involved, not personally, but some of his friends were involved with GME. If you remember, uh, you know, if we mm-hmm. touch the meme stocks, there's there's two gen- two main ones, um, which is uh, AMC, GME, and there's to a s- smaller extent, um, BlackBerry, BB, which uh, they were all kind of, memified so you really started with gme and of you know for those that don't know um gme had a monumental short squeeze uh what a short squeeze is is generally when there is so much short strength there's like essentially there's so much people shorting a particular stock and that the price goes up and generally when you short you're always doing or you're generally always doing margin because you're borrowing. You know, you cannot short without borrowing, right? Because what you're doing is you're 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 starting by selling something you don't have to then buy it back at the lower price and capitalizing on that difference of price, right? So yeah, let me let, let me just yeah. put it into context. Uh, try to simplify the context, the the term short squeeze. Uh, so it's something that in in the this community, we talk about a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, so the short squeeze is one of those one of those things where, as Jose said, when there's so many people that are betting on the stock going down, that means that they went short, and to do that, they need to borrow shares from someone who's holding them long term, to then sell those shares on the market, hoping to then grab them a short, a smaller price. So when there's so many people that are betting on the price going down, uh, shorting is actually more dangerous than going along. Uh, because when you go long, the maximum you can lose is all of the money you put in. But when you go short, the maximum you can lose is all of your money, including the money that isn't, you know, it's, it's on really the trade, it's infinite. on the broker. Yeah, cetera. it's infinite, right? Because there's no upside to, there's no limit. Like it'd be a trillion dollars that the stock goes to or more, right? And uh, exactly. no, st- yeah. no stock can go below zero. So that, that, that is a very fundamental concept that people grasp with shorting. So, yeah, so, point. so what ends up happening is when there's so many people going short, as soon as the price goes up a little bit, then some of these people that are short will fear that it's going to go up further. And so they will close their short position. And to close their short position, they have to buy the stock. And so they cause the price to go up higher. And this causes other people who are short to f- have the same fear that it will go up higher. And so they close their short, causing it to go higher. 
And so this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy where the first few people who saw the increase in price and were afraid that it would increase further actually trigger an avalanche uh, that essentially squeezes all the people that were short out of the trade. And that's what that's why it's called a short squeeze. 100%. That's, that's a very good explanation. Thank you, Miguel. And uh, so what, what happened at that stage was that GME had its first short, short squeeze and so did AMC. This was sometime in January 21, I think. Um, so it's uh, over a year ago. Yeah, it was January 21. And so they have their first short squeeze, which was a, a smaller short squeeze. Uh, GME had a very, very big one. AMC had a kind of small one. So it went from something around $12 to around $20, which, you know, that's that's almost 100% uh, um, um, increase. And it kind of started to, 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 you know, stabilize. I think it came, came down to around... Um, $8 in between. So initially it came down to like 5 and then stabilized a bit. And that's when I started to come in. So I'm, I'm a huge supporter of DCA. Uh, so for those that know, DCA is dollar cost averaging. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but if you want a safe way to bet or to, to invest, DCA requires almost zero kind of technical knowledge um so do look into it and if you do want us to want us to cover this in a future episode do let us know uh we're happy to kind of go into a bit more detail but essentially i started to do dca into amc so every couple of days i would uh you know take a couple of hundred dollars and i would buy some some more shares some more shares because um I fundamentally believe in, in cinema. I'm a huge, huge uh, uh, movie fan. Um, uh, we used to have an actual AMC cinema. One of the very few in Portugal was um, mm-hmm. literally a couple of minutes from from uh, my house and Miguel's house. Um, so, you know, there, there's quite a lot of like emotional value there. So I started to get in, get in, get in, get in, get in um, to the point that I had a sizable uh, position within AMC. Um, and... <laughs> and by June of 2021, around June 2021, uh, the self fulfilling prophecy that Miguel was talking about um, really kind of came to be. So I clearly remember driving to my parents' house, which is like 15 minutes away from here. And my wife was with a phone because she also started to get into AMC herself. Um, and uh, and she was telling me like, oh, my God, it's it's $30. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, $30 is crazy. And then we drove, like, remember, it's like, this is a 10-minute drive. And, you know, we left our house. The The price was, like, $30 or $40. And by the time we got to my parents' house, it was, like, $50, 50-something, $60. And then all of a sudden, our, you know, our average entry into AMC was, like, $9. And so you can imagine... Wow the upside that we have um and so like uh, any sensible person at that stage would say all right okay you know i I think i needed i needed a a raquel which is uh, miguel's wife i need a a raquel in our lives to say like you stop (laughs) sell no choice (laughs) no choice um and uh, what did what happened we got greedy we got greedy we we kept thinking of like you know, to the moon, and uh, you know, there's no, there's no upside. It's gonna go to a million, to a thousand dollars. And if you obviously you go on YouTube, and you know, you have this massive bias towards like this is literally gonna skyrocket. Um, and it didn't happen. 
it went up to around 70 something dollars uh you know our, our portfolio was like 8x our initial uh, entry um and and uh, obviously it came down and we didn't sell at the top so obviously we we also didn't sell on on the way down um and uh obviously we kept you know getting smaller entries um and now we are at the point where amc came all the way down back to 10 and now we went back to around the 20s so you know there's a lot of speculation that um another short squeeze could uh, could could happen um but again we are not financial advisors so uh please uh, do yeah, not sure. take any of our this is our, this is not an advice whatsoever this is just literally our experiences um and why did you want to touch this in this in our trade of the week um what, what, yeah go ahead let me, let me just say before before we go into that uh, first of all i think that was an amazing experience that you guys went through uh <laughs> roller coaster I, I have i have never had even when i got into bitcoin early i've never had that much unrealized profit in my account <laughs> uh, and of course hindsight is 2020 right after you saw that the top was 70 something then it was obvious that that was the top but then when you're the, in the in the moment uh why would you have had a reason to think that 60, 70 was the top, right? Uh, for all you know, if you had Raquel in your life, you would have sold probably at 13. Because yes. if your average was nine, yeah. 13 is like nearly 50%. You should be happy with your wins, right? Yes, so exactly. Hindsight is twenty twenty, uh, And in order to win big, like in order to win biggest, you do lose chances on winning big. But it's yeah. also if you go for the small wins, you you would never get the big wins anyways. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I think that there to, to today. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that one of the things that uh, forced me to learn was, um, uh, you know, technical analysis, because uh, this is if if I actually knew what I know now, again, like Miguel said, you know, twenty twenty, um, uh, you know, it's very very in hindsight, it's very easy. But actually, there was a way to not predict. No one can predict. No one is a psychic. Psychic is not psychic. A psychic to predict. <laughs> a sidekick. I love it. Um, uh, no one no can one predict. No one is a sidekick. No, 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 no. <laughs> Miguel is my sidekick, and uh, and uh, and Fahad. Um, and so, uh, no one can really predict what's going to happen. But you can educate yourself on the highest probability. Remember, the the market is, if anything, a, a game of probabilities, right? Uh, and you know, you're what you're looking at is the probability of the the price going up there, and essentially bouncing, right? inverting, right? Because that's what you're looking at. And there are ways to do that. Uh, that you can say, all right, I'm. It's more likely that the price is going to go up to there than to the other side. And actually, if I knew TA, I could have looked at it and say, okay, this is actually quite likely to be a level that it's going to be, um, uh, uh, it's going to face some resistance. And resistance basically just means it's going to get there. And there's probably going to be a lot of sell uh, uh, strength that is probably going to bring the price down. Um, and it's something we want to touch in a future episode of, of the Elliott Wave Theory and, and the Fibonacci's and so on. And those those two main tools, 
if again, you know, you you Miguel was talking at the beginning of like back 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 testing, um, you know, that's something I could have done at the time, and um, and it could have helped me to make a better decision, not just be like, hey, to the moon, <laughs> or like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen, uh, to actually be like, okay, the most likely scenario is that this is going to happen. I'm actually going to sell part of my portfolio because any smart uh, investor will have multiple exit strategies uh, and multiple entry strategies. Um, and so that's kind of like, uh, that's that's a pathway to success. Um, and just, just to kind of touch on the point uh, why we're talking about the AMC. So this week, uh, AMC, or uh, actually a couple weeks ago, at the beginning of August, AMC had the, their earnings call. Earnings call is just like a, uh, it's basically a, 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 every three months or every quarter, uh, companies, especially obviously public traded companies, they, they are required to do uh, earnings uh, meeting, which basically they just go through how, they're quarterless. Like in bottom, there's two main numbers people are looking for, which is the uh, uh, earnings per share, the EPS, uh, which basically just means that if you're going to take dividends from that that uh, that particular company, you know that's that's your earnings per share. Um, and uh, also, the you want to look at the revenue. So what you want to look is like, okay, is the company actually increasing their revenue or not? And so AMC, you know, because of the pandemic, has been in you know pretty troubled waters uh, like any kind of entertainment or physical entertainment um, uh, medium it has been really tough and so that's actually one of the reasons people went so hard and shorted so much because they thought cinemas are going to go and disappear the same thing happened with um uh with cruises for example cruises were heavily hit uh hit as well any kind of like physical shops hotels and so on so like obviously you can imagine um, and so they had their earnings, and through, during their earnings, they announced a completely new um, way of, of, you know, people, they're not calling it dividends, but it's, in a way it's a, it's a type of dividend. They created a new ticker called APE. For those that are not in the meme space, um, everyone that is on AMC, on GME, they are called APEs, because, um, you know, we ape into so aping into something is kind of like almost like a yolo right you you don't think about it you just like jump into it then you follow the crowd uh so adam yeah, aaron which and, is this yeah go ahead and it also appeals to like the tribalism of yeah. apes strung together yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, we're, we're in this together <laughs> yeah I mean, it's brilliant it's brilliant marketing oh yeah oh look if anything adam aaron the ceo of amc and his marketing team should get an oscar for 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 literally yeah. they looked at something that was brewing uh that never in the history of 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 you know the the, the trade markets has happened they saw an opportunity to capitalize on retail traders right um, yeah. and and they did it brilliantly absolutely brilliantly and uh and that uh, you seeing what is what is happening now with the company at the state that it is the amount of debt so they went from being almost bankrupt to being getting out of debt which is like if you compare it like this week cine world for those that know cine world it's a very popular uh cinema uh retail chain in the uk and other companies but mostly in the uk um is uh, probably filing for bankruptcy, right? So you have on one side AMC 
like prospering, and then you have City World on the other side going bankrupt. So there's definitely you know they're doing something right, and and I think the thing they're doing right is capitalizing on the apes and the ape movement, um, yeah, and just kind of like they just um, made the they just made the penny a penny stock look cool. Yeah, right? yeah. There's so many people in here. I, I was once, by the way, I was once in a job interview a year ago where the small talk in the interview was meme stocks. Like my interviewer <laughs> yeah. was like, oh yeah, you like you like trading. Oh yeah, I bought some, I think at the time it was GME. I was like, I bought some GME. And I asked him, oh wow, what do you think about the yeah. fundamentals? You know, I, I think it's a bit risky now to hold it. It's a good selling point. And he's like, Ah no, I'm just diamond hand diamond handsing it. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. I don't know anything yeah. about the stock. So, uh, it's just some random dude is making conversation yeah. Yeah, about yeah, holding yeah. the stock. Yeah. Amazing. No, hundred percent. And like again, that, that it's it's a movement that has never existed in the history of of, of uh you know the trade markets. So I think it's it's incredible and and you know it's just showing how strong the retail uh the retail the, the retail is and by retail what we mean is just like non-institutional investors so like just any any person like ourselves right um that have a, a, an individual account a trading account so those are those are the retail the retail traders and um and yeah so this week they announced a, a new ticker uh in the new york new york stock exchange it's going to be called ape which stands for amc preferred equity um, and essentially, really, it's going to be a one-to-one to, it's going to be a one-to-one to AMC, uh, which essentially just means that if you all hold 50 AMC, shares of AMC, you're going to get 50 shares of Ape. Um, and the value of Ape, I believe, is going to be, it's generally, I, I don't, I don't think anyone knows uh, particularly. It's going to be, uh, it's going to open at a particular level. I don't really know it. Is I don't know if it's going to be the same level as the 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 kind of the related uh, share price of of AMC. But the interesting thing is, um, you know, a lot of people are thinking this is like dividends, but it's not. Uh, Adam Aaron already came public and he said that it, it's not. Uh, dividends just because of being uh, preferred equity, which is a specific term within the, the trade markets. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. The 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 window to hold AMC in order to get APE closed on Friday the 19th, which means that on Monday the 22nd, uh, in theory, everyone's going to have them, uh, their APEs in their uh, portfolios. And a lot of you might ask, like, well, why, 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 why is he doing all of this? It cannot be just marketing. And it's true; it's not just marketing. There's these two main things called um, synthetic shares and naked shorting, which are I'm not going to go into them right now. Uh, we don't have a lot of time, but uh, they are like the it's kind of like the the dark side. If you know, if you're looking at Star Wars, kind of like almost the dark side of of the Force. Um, because it's something that is again is that the the, the right the reason why it's called dark is because it happens behind the scenes people don't really see them uh, so this this idea of dark pools which is basically uh, um, kind of like separate ways to to sell and buy shares that generally only um, institution traders will use um, but what's the core of it is that let's say that AMC has um, 
a million shares. They have more, it's like 500 million, but just like a million shares. We were touching the road to a million, I like a million. A million shares, let's imagine this. And um, when you short, as Miguel was saying before, you actually borrow a share. Now, what a lot of brokers do, which they shouldn't, is borrow the same share to multiple people. Now, think of this. Using car as an, an example, I lend my car to Miguel, and Miguel, in his turn, will lend the same car to 10 different people, okay? And those 10 different people, or he sells, he sells the car to these 10, 10 different people, right? So that these 10 different people are basically owning a car that is not owned by Miguel, right? It's actually owned by me, but Miguel is profiting a 10x on that car that he basically got from me, right? And that's essentially what synthetic shares are. Is uh, uh, That's why the name synthetic comes from, because they're not natural, because they are shares that don't really exist. And what generally companies will do, they will kind of count those shares because brokers have a fiduciary requirement to kind of, you know, count and provide the count of those shares. And what a lot of people have been saying is that um, there are so many synthetic shares to the point where there's more synthetic shares than actual real shares of AMC. And so they've been trying for many very different ways to kind of get those counted, right? And it was it was very difficult because again, then there's the brokers, there's lobbies, there's a lot of a lot of weird stuff that happens behind the scenes. And um, the idea with this is that because this is a one-to-one to AMC, it should, in theory, because only real shares will get an ape. So if you're shorting, you don't really get an ape share, right? So in theory, what this will allow is to basically understand from how many people hold ape, actually how many shares there are, and then you can you can basically compare that to how much there is in the float. Basically, float is like, uh, you know, the total amount of shares that are out there. You can compare those two. And in theory, um, uh, what th people are thinking is going to cause a short squeeze is because brokers are going to force, because they cannot hold synthetic shares or they shouldn't do, they will be looking into kind of getting rid or forcing uh, people that are kind of borrowing over and over and go to the same share to basically close those accounts so that that is going to force them to to buy, just like Miguel said, and then that's going to force the price to go up. Again, this is all kind of, you know, almost fairy tales <laughs> to a certain extent, um, but that's kind of like the, the whole part of what is behind this uh, whole movement. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, <laughs> The first, the first thing is brilliant PR on naming it Ape, but also brilliant maneuver uh, on it's not guaranteed to happen, but it's looking like one of the intentions of this is to unveil the, the, the bruise from the short sellers and kind of trapping them because it will become evidence to everyone that there's over shorting on this stock. Uh, because as, as you pointed out, if if there's all these synthetic shares, but they can only be used for shorting because that's how we make up these shares, then it, you know, to take your car example again, to pick it up again, 
for every car that a person can buy, there's 10 cars that people can sell. And so this drives obviously the automobile industry uh, down in, in the value of a car. So it's supposedly what is happening here with AMC, supposedly what has been tackled and trying yeah. encountered by this maneuver. So eyes will be on AMC on Monday. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Jose, for, for your detailed explanation. That's okay. I have seen a Pleasure. flurry of tweets uh, this week, and I got to admit, I didn't pay much attention to it, but they did seem a bit convoluted. And so this puts it into clarity for me and hopefully for the listeners. But do let us know if you have questions on this ticker. Um, all right, Josette, we are getting ready to wrap up today. It has been longer than we have had planned for, but honestly, I'm really happy with the discussions that we had today. Yep. Uh, we have covered a lot of ground and I'm excited about where these short-term goals will take us and how we're going to set up over the next four months for the road to 1 million. Uh, any parting thoughts before we go? Uh, yeah. Uh, so the number one is we're looking into setting up. Uh, so if we, we have a, a website already, uh, it's called, uh, firesidepod.com. Um, we are going to be setting up, um, social media accounts and so on, Twitters and Instagrams and, you know, the, the whole nine yards, but specifically we're going to be setting up a Patreon. Now we're not specifically looking to, uh, you know, it's, it's not we're not looking for like a source of of, of income or anything, but uh, what we are looking into is building a community, and we just feel that, you know, really to build a community, there's two main ways: uh, Discord or Patreon. Uh, we feel that at this stage, a uh, Patreon is gonna be uh, uh, an, an interesting way to start. Um, you know, we're not looking for, as I said, we're not looking for any type of. Um, uh donations anything uh it's more like as we're looking to build a community really at this stage um so once we have those links up we will be sharing with you uh it's probably going to be all under uh fireside pod as well we're going to make that as probably our main handle uh for social media uh but really uh this has been really really good episode i think we got through a lot of stuff i think every episode we have we just kind of I, I can see as we're talking and miguel is taking notes i can see them keep popping up in our in our uh notion document and uh it's quite exciting to see kind of like you know conversations leading to more conversations to lead more conversations and so i'm very excited for the next episodes i'm very excited to see how far the conversation is going and most of all i'm i'm excited to see how we're going to get to those goals that we're setting to ourselves. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, really enjoyed the conversations today. Thanks, Josef, for your input. Uh, thanks for your, your explanations and your coverage of the latest news. I think those were spot on. And to everyone who is listening to us, uh, again, let us know of your goals, your goals for end of year, your uh, longer term goals, if you have any monetary value attached to them or if it's something related to personal growth or any other type of area that you know would apply to the to the fire theme of our podcast and until then we hope you stay cozy by the fireside see you in the next one bye bye <laughs>